Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 221 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis PT, and today we're going to be talking about meniscus repair considerations. We'll be going over some meniscus anatomy, talk about intrasubstance versus root tears, and we'll also discuss some you know, post-op rehab considerations and so much more. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. At MedCorp Professionals, we offer mobility aids, bracing and supports, compression garments, post-mastectomy care, and much more. Your health and well-being are important to us. Your recovery is our priority. Our certified team will guide you to the right products based on your medical needs, recent procedures, or mobility restrictions. Visit us on Route 1 in Scarborough or at MedCorpPro.com. We are Mark and Kelly Hassett, owners of MedCorp. And we keep you moving forward. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. Harnessing the power of technology to help you advance your career and improve patient outcomes, MedBridge delivers over 2,000 evidence-based CE courses and more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them from wherever you are. MedBridge goes beyond CEUs. They're leading the space. From interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first-ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. For a limited time, use promo code OEP to receive $175 off your annual subscription. Ah, welcome back, everyone. So, you know, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, more and more people who are damaging their menisci are receiving surgery to help repair the meniscus. And I think that we can all pretty much say that, you know, the more meniscus that is torn, the more that is removed, the more likely you are to develop osteoarthritis of the knee. And, um, you know, it wasn't, when I first started physical therapy, it wasn't uncommon to see people have complete meniscectomies when they had a tear and they would completely take that whole meniscus right out of there. Um, think about that. Think about that loss of shock absorption and stability and uh, excess motion and movement and all that stuff. And um, then, you know, we started to see more people having uh, like partial meniscectomies. And the idea was let's take out as little as possible. And recently we've really been seeing this jump in people who are having, you know, their meniscus repaired, either intrasubstance repairs or root repairs. And um, I think it all comes down to, you know, preserving that knee for the future. Uh, so let's just jump right in with some anatomy. We'll go through some of this stuff. I'm not going to get super technical on you here. Really, I'm giving you this anatomy tidbit at first so we can talk about the rehab considerations and why we should and shouldn't do what we do when we're treating patients after they've had a repaired meniscus. Um, so... Your menisci, you know, are fibrocartilaginous structures. They're not like the hyaline cartilage that lines your bones. Um, they're a little more fibrous. They are fairly fluid-filled and uh, with a lot of, you know, circular fibers that go around, but also through the menisci, so it helps to dissipate force when that femur and tibia push down on it. Um, you have this outward push, this outward force, so it helps to absorb that and. Um, you know, the menisci also move a little bit, so we need to take that into consideration that they are, yes, tied to the tibia with, you know, the meniscal tibial ligaments, but 
they do move a little bit, okay? And they can migrate forward and backward when you flex and extend the knee. Uh, as far as the structure of the menisci, they're crescent-shaped, okay? So they're a little thinner at the horns. The anterior and posterior horns is where they anchor themselves down to the uh, tibia closer toward that tibial ridge in the middle. And um, then the outer aspect of the menisci is a little bit thicker, so a little more wedge-shaped, okay? And that, again, helps to conform around that femur a little bit so that that condyle can sit in place a little bit better, so it gives it some stability. We also know that the menisci have uh, some attachments to the surrounding capsule, so uh, it's not uncommon to you know tear the MCL and also tear the meniscus because it's all part of that uh, meniscal tibial ligament structure and capsular structure. And so there's a lot of these fibers that you know can really pull uh, on that meniscus. Uh, as far as vascularity goes, the outer edge of the meniscus is a little more vascular uh, than the inside. There's really no vascularity to the inner aspect of that uh, the meniscus, especially in its thinnest portion. So oftentimes, surgeries in regards to repairs are geared around where the tear is. And if they have a chance of uh, surviving after they've been repaired uh, in regards to that meniscus, you know, taking hold and healing well. So there is that consideration of, you know, is it in a vascular zone or not? Um, as far as motion of the knee goes, you know, end range knee flexion compresses the posterior horn of the menisci and then end range extension or I, you know, full extension is not bad, but hyperextension can compress that anterior horn. That's why when I suspect that somebody has a meniscus tear and I'm doing my evaluation, I'll take them to the end ranges on both sides very gently. And, uh, they will indicate if you're fully flexing them that they have pain in the back of the leg, if they have a posterior your horn tear, or if you uh, extend them all the way and put them into a little hyperextension and they feel that direct pain, that could be an anterior horn meniscus tear. So I want you to take that into consideration, especially, you know, when you're rehabbing people and, and you need to know what part of that meniscus has been repaired. Now, don't forget the hamstrings and popliteus here because there's a lot of fibrous attachment back there to the posterior menisci. So that is really why you'll see a lot of post-op meniscus repair protocols uh, guarding against active knee flexion. So no hamstring curls or bridges or things of that sort that really stress the hamstrings back there. And um, it's very important that, you know, you uh, avoid that heavy resisted stuff early on because you can pull on that repaired meniscus and cause some trouble. So with that being said, let's just go over some rehab considerations, you know, after your meniscus repair. Be sure you get your hands on a protocol. Okay, now... ACL protocols and rotator cuff protocols, and there are all kinds of protocols out there, vary so much from orthopedic physician to orthopedic physician. It's just, it's really crazy. Um, and, and you can have exactly the same tear, but have a totally different protocol. So I like to look for, you know, evidence-based protocols that, you know, really dive into deep detail about, you know, where the meniscus is being compressed the most, when it has the most pressure put on it. So, um, but the one thing you'll notice about meniscus repair protocols, and I've been finding, is that they don't vary as much as other protocols. I think there's a pretty good consensus about, you know, how people should you know, hold off on the weight bearing uh, and, and go non-weight bearing for four to six weeks generally. Uh, some will go about, you know, one to two weeks and then go 50% weight bearing and then slowly at the one month mark start to work into full weight bearing. Um, and there's this nice progression into that weight bearing. 
Generally, people get back to full weight bearing by about six weeks. Um, as far as bracing goes, some a lot of folks are, are using a hinged brace and locking it from zero to 90 degrees. So just in case, you know, they, they slipped and fell and uh, they just went into hyperflexion, it would lock them out and not get past 90 degrees, which would really stress the, the meniscus. And uh, some orthopedists like to lock out at zero and uh, keep it like that for a little while. I'm not in in opposition of that. You know, I just want to make sure that these people are doing a lot of, you know, calf pumps and things like that, getting the leg elevated, preventing DVT. But I also like optimizing extension. I think that, uh, you know, getting into full extension with a brace sometimes can be helpful, especially at night when they're sleeping. Now, there are different types of tears and different types of repairs. So there are different types of protocols for these. Okay, so make sure that you, you, you check into that. Also, it's not a bad idea to have some communication with the orthopedic surgeon, especially if you're not familiar with meniscus repairs. Some people just have a straight up meniscus repair. A lot of people have this in conjunction with ACLs. And to be honest with you, it really slows up the whole ACL rehab process. You have to be more cautious about the meniscus than you do with the ACL. But one of the things you need to remember is that, you know, the better extension you get, the better your quad control will be the better your gait will be, and then ultimately you'll have improved function. All right, so it's very important that you really try to get that extension, and that can be difficult because these, you know, swell a lot. There's a lot of post-operative effusion. I uh, have no problem with people sleeping with an immobilizer on for a couple of weeks just to keep the extension and not lose it because when you add that swelling and effusion in the knee, the knee wants to automatically go into flexion. And then if you cannot get that good extension, your quad's not going to function very well. So I, I really like to get extension. I don't really ream on it into hyperextension. I like to get it to zero just so it doesn't stress that uh, that meniscus too much. And um, then I, I start off right away on swelling control. So it might be some compression, elevation. I like to do patella mobility just to get that quad fired back up. And then we follow that up with quad activation exercises. So like biofeedback or um, a Russian stimulation or something of that sort to really get those quads fired up. Now, it's important to work on, you know, the glutes, the core and all that stuff, but no active knee flexion. Okay, so no hamstring curls, no bridges for about six to eight weeks. Then you can start on some active motion at that time and then slowly start to add in some resistance. And uh, people generally do well with that. Now, if your patient has a hard time getting their extension back passively, I, you know, you can do prone hangs with the leg off the edge of the table. I'm not a big advocate of it only because, you know, it activates the hamstrings a little bit. You kind of like fight it some. So you're, you're stressing the hamstrings a little bit more. Um, and uh, you're just really not getting that nice capsular stretch. And then sometimes it can cause some patellofemoral discomfort when you're on your stomach. And people get apprehensive with that. They just don't have as much control. So I'm really big on gravity-assisted knee extensions, sitting up on a table with the leg straight out, maybe adding some weight to the top of the proximal tibia, distal fibula. And getting that into nice full extension with a, a low load for a long duration. I might even do some manually just to make sure that they get into that nice extension. But I really don't care to regain hyperextension right away if they naturally had hyperextension before they had surgery. Um, that generally comes in time. Um, once the patient becomes weight-bearing, you want to make sure that you're avoiding a lot of lateral activity and pivoting especially, okay? And I really don't get my meniscus repair patients, you know, pivoting 
aggressively or with some speed until about you know 12 weeks out uh, i get them to jogging a lot of straight plane activity just making sure they feel comfortable with that and then we start to throw in some uh, lateral motions uh, maybe some karaoke walking and then slowly increase the speed of that do some grapevines and then get into more of a rotatory type of uh, activity program so to wrap this up, uh, rehab after meniscus repair can, you know, be a little more technical than, than rehabbing other knee issues. Just make sure you get your hands on a protocol. Even taking a look at an op note can really be helpful so that you can see what was an anterior horn, posterior horn, was it intrasubstance versus a root repair. Um, and, you know, and then you can have a better idea, you know, and think about that knee when you're moving it, you know, what stresses that repair and how do we avoid that? And uh, then I think you'll have, you know, a good successful rehab if uh, all of that happens. So, you know, if you know what stresses the meniscus, uh, you'll do well and the patient will do well they'll be happy surgeon will be happy and then uh, on you go so hope you enjoyed today's uh, show folks and uh, thank you so much for listening make sure you uh, be kind to others and take care we hope you've enjoyed the show for some more awesome content go to orthoevalpal.com can't wait to see you there 